Good afternoon. Glad to be here. One day I was thinking, and a, and a question came to my mind. Does God ask too much of us? You look, at, you look around in the society that we're living in, and everybody's going about their everyday business, and no one seems to be caring about God at all. And the question came to my mind, does God ask too much of us? And you may say no. But as I studied this, I read Judges 7 and verse 3 where Gideon was told to go and conquer the Midianites. And he had, it says, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead and their return of the people 20 and 2,000. He had all these people, but 22,000 people returned back not to fight with Gideon. And I can say I can see Gideon saying, "What, Lord? You want me? You want me to lose all? You want me to go up against innumerable foe? And you want all these people to go back? So does God ask too much?" And in Judges six five, it said there, "For they came came up to the cattle and the tent and came as grasshoppers from the multitude, for both they and the camels were without number." Can you see all these people coming up against Gideon? And God says, you have too many people. And the question is, does God ask too much of us? And when you see people today, it seems like nobody regards God whatsoever. Our children are growing up and they have no regard for God. Society has no, you can't even mention God in the school, in the workplace. Or you can mention anything else, but don't you mention God. And the Bible said in Judges. 5 verse 6 it says uh, it, it says for they would come up with the 6 5 I'm sorry it says they would come up in the livestock stock and their tent and the num and numerous as locusts but God had Gideon to go up against them with 300 people so the question remains does, does God ask too much only 300 people and the opponents were like locusts does God ask too much so as I kept investigating this thing, I thought about Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 1. Do you know what God asked Abraham to do? In Genesis 12, 1, he said, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house to a land I will show you. You don't, you don't know where you're going, but I tell you, you just go, I'll tell you when you get there. You sure that's not asking too much? And then Sarah went with him. You imagine me telling Sister Jackson, Sister Jackson, we're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. I'll tell you when we get there. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work out too well. But this is what God asked Abraham to do. And you see people today that could care less about God. So as I'm pondering this question, I'm thinking, could it be that God asks us too much? And in Hebrews, Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Hebrews 11 and 8. Brother Brian, what does he say there? By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. Mm -hmm. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he, God says, go. You don't know where you're going, but you go. You know, they lived in tents. They never had a permanent dwelling. They always lived in tents. Can you imagine me telling Sister Jackson, we're not going to have a house. We're just going to pitch a tent. And that's where we're going to live. 
But that's what happened. They lived in tents. They went not knowing where they were going. And as I investigated this, it seemed like sometimes God asked too much of his people. You know what happened in Genesis 17 and verse 19? They waited. They waited for a son. God promised them a son. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. There's no 100-year-old men around going around siring sons. And in Genesis 17, 19, And God said to Sarah, Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with thy seed and after him. But it took a long time for Isaac to show up. It took 25 years. And it just seemed like God asked too much of his people. Gideon's probably saying, you want me to do what with 300 people? And Abraham's like, what, you want me to have a child like this? And they both laughed. Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. But God promises always come through. So in Genesis 22 and verse 1. Genesis 22 verse 1. He finally got that son. And you know, I imagine he said, well, I'm going to get my son. And I'm going to take him fishing. I'm going to go catch some of them big snooks. And I'm going to take him hunting. And I'm, boy, when I get my son, I'm going to do all these things with him. But in Genesis 22, 1, guess what God asked Abraham to do? He asked him to take his only son up on a mountain and sacrifice him. In Genesis 22, and verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, which thou loveth, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him up as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell thee. Wait a minute, God, I waited 25 years for that boy. And now he's here. You want me to sacrifice the seed of promise? You said through his seed all the nations were going to be blessed. How can I sacrifice? You sure God doesn't ask too much? He said, get now up thy only son. He was that, he had Ishmael. But, but you know, just like God, just like Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, we're children of God, but we are adopted. He has only one begotten son. And so they will, we, he, you know what he did? He rose early in the morning. You know what I would have done? It would have probably been late that night. <laughs> I would have been probably trying to, wait a minute, God, let's talk about this thing. But what Abraham did, he rose early in the morning and went to sacrifice his son. Are you sure God doesn't ask too much? And as I kept investigating this thing, I thought about Christians. Now, you know God asks too much of us, right? He has to. Because what he said in Luke 14 and 25, brother. Luke 14, 25. What did, what did Jesus say there in Luke 14, 25? Now large crowds are going along with him. Mm -hmm. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You read that wrong, didn't you, brother? <laughs> you, you must have misread that. Uh, uh, Scott is sitting here by, beside his mother and his wife, <laughs> his aunt. He means love less. You can't put anyone before him. You sure that's not asking too much? 
You know, as I'm studying this, I'm thinking, maybe God does ask too much. He asked Abraham to give up his only begotten child. He asked Gideon to go up against um, unnumerable foes like locusts, like grasshoppers, with 300 men. He asked David to take a slingshot and kill a giant with a slingshot. He asked us to not put our mother, our father, our sisters, our brothers, no one in front of him. Are you sure God doesn't ask too much? What else does he say, brother? Verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross mm -hmm. after me cannot be my disciple. Can't be his disciple. You know what God wants from us? Everything. He wants it all. You know, sometimes we compartmentalize. Well, you know, I do God on Sunday. But on Monday through Friday, I have my job. On the weekends, I have my family. We try to cop, comp, cop, park, whatever I said before. <laughs> we try to put it in sections. But God is over it all. I'm asking you today, does God ask too much? Hate not your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. What? But that's what he requires. And as I kept investigating this, I came up with the scripture in Mark and Matthew 18 and verse 8. Matthew 18, 8. There he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. What? You want me to cut my hand off? You want me to cut my foot off? I know you're asking too much now. I was working, you know, I was in the optical business before I became a full-time preacher. And I said this to, to one of the uh, persons there and they said you mean God want us to cut our foot off it's, a, it's an analogy it's an, it's an analogy if your feet are taking you somewhere that you shouldn't go cut them off he doesn't mean it literally he means get rid of anything that's going to stop you from getting to heaven if your hands are touching things that you know your hands shouldn't be touching cut it off it's not literal it's spiritual, but it requires you to do whatever you have to do to get rid of whatever you need to get rid of to make it to heaven. And I'm, I'm trying to investigate this, and I'm wondering, does God ask too much? He wants me to cut off my hand. He wants me to cut off my foot. He goes on to say, it is better to enter into life lame and maimed than rather than to have in two hands and two feet to be cast into an everlasting fire. You do whatever you have to do to make it home, brother. You know what? We're looking further than Savannah. We're looking further than Fort Lauderdale. We're looking further than Oviedo. We're trying to get to heaven. Keep your eyes on the prize. This isn't the prize here. It's heaven. Where we no more crying, no more pain, no more. That's where we're trying to get to. We got to look past this place. But we got to get rid of anything that's going to cause us to stumble. So does God ask too much? And I'm asking all these people. I wish I had a test, a, 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 a witness stand that I could call these people up to the stand and ask them, is it too much to live in a tent and never have a home? Is it too much to wait for a child when, he's, when you're 100 years old and then you get the child and God tell you to take him on a mountain and sacrifice, sacrifice him? Is it too much for you to have 300 men to, to fight your battles when your, 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 your enemies are so outnumber you? What's too much? And the Christians are one of the ones that I would call to the stand. 
Now I know this is too much. In Matthew 5, 38, brother. This has to be too much. In Matthew 5, 38, what does he say there, brother? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh-huh. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Uh-huh. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. What? Now you know that's asking too much. Does God ask too much? I'm going to tell you what my, my daddy said, my mama said. If they hit you, you hit them back. That's what we were told. Oh, you might not have been raised that way, but that's the way we were raised. You don't let anybody knock you down. You get it back up. And if they hit your brother or your sister, you take care of them. Does God ask too much for me to be compassionate to other people who treat me wrong? That's got to be. You, did you read that right, brother? That's got to be wrong. It seems to me that as I'm investigating this, God asks too much. And in Romans, Romans 12 and verse 20, Romans 12, 20, he said, Therefore, if your enemy hunger, you feed him. You want me to feed my enemy, Lord? And if he thirsts, you give him a drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals on his head fire of his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Ask me how easy is that? Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And if my enemy hunger, you want me to feed him. And if he's thirsty, you want you mean to tell me God doesn't ask too much? See, the world looks at this as craziness. The world looks at this like, what, what are you doing on a Saturday here listening to the word of God? But they don't know the word is what strengthens us. The word is what gives us the strength that we need to make it through the week. And so they think that God acts is too much. And they look at these examples. And why would you follow a God like this or like this? On, on one of my jobs when I was in the optical business, I had a, uh, a box on my desk and it said something about God. And then he would, the guy would write, the devil rules. Well, uh, the devil, Satan, this. He was just trying to get my goat. He says, I don't know how you believe in a God that disciplines you and won't give you what you need and, and won't love you and, and, and when you do wrong, disciplines you. I don't know how you believe in a God like that. I asked him, I said, did you have a father? He said, of course. I said, did he whoop you? He said, yeah. I said, did he love you? See, that's what parents do. They discipline the children they love. But they can't understand that. So does God ask too much? Of course not. Because he loves us. But he says, if our enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And in Revelation 12, Revelation 12 and verse 11, brother. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. Because of the word of their testimony. Mm -hmm. They did not love their life even when faced with death. You mean to tell me I got to love the Lord more than I, my own life even when I'm faced with death? You sure that's not asking too much? That has to be too much. Only the people sitting in this room can really understand what I'm saying. Because the world thinks this is just crazy. You mean you'll die for the Lord? You'll die because of Jesus Christ? That's got to be too much. But you know what I thought, brother? 
The reason that God is not asking too much is because Jesus Christ died for all of us. He gave it all. It's not unreasonable for him to ask us to do something. And we look around like we're entitled. We're not entitled. Whatever God asks us to do is never too much. Jesus Christ came and died a horrific death. You know what? They spit on him. How many of you could take somebody spitting on you? They slapped him. You know, a man don't want to be slapped. You could punch me, but you're not going to slap me. <laughs> you know, all of these things that, that Jesus went through for all of us, and we have the nerve to say that God asks too much of us. Brother, you have to come to church twice on, twice through the week. Brother, you have to give part of what you, you know, if some people see what you gave to the Lord, they think you're crazy. Oh, brother, you coming down there on a Saturday to listen to the word of God? Your place, your place of worship, it asks too much. No, God does not ask too much because Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of us. And we have to be willing to do whatever he asks us to do. So the Bible said in Matthew 8 and verse 20. Matthew 8 and 20. Let me tell you what Jesus went through. The Bible said, Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. And the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. And here we are, we're in comfortable settings. Uh, Brother Maxwell's bed is, is, is good, I love it. I'm going to try to take it with me when I leave. <laughs> but, but it's just, we don't understand all the things that God has done for us. Jesus had no place to even lay his head. And we think he's unreasonable. You know what he said. In 2 Corinthians 8 9. 2 Corinthians 8 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. Can you imagine leaving heaven and leaving all of the beautiful things in heaven with no problems and coming on and taking down the form of a man like you and I and getting uh, blood pressure problems and heart problems and uh, whatever? All these problems we have, taking on a form like this and going through us and being like us. But he was rich, yet he made himself poor for us. And we have the unmitigated gall to think God asks us too much. I think the world is just going too fast. The world thinks that this is crazy. The world thinks that we shouldn't be here. They think it's too much. But what they're going to wind up with is nothing. And what we're going to wind up with is a home with him forever. And I'm telling you, God doesn't ask too much. We just got to keep the right perspective, brother. It's the right perspective. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53, 5. What does he say there, brother? But he was pierced through for our transgressions. For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Our iniquities. Chastening for our well-being fell upon him. Uh huh. And by his surging, we are healed. Now he took the he took the beating for us. If you have siblings, you ever took a beating for your sibling? Say, you know, I know you're gonna beat my brother, my brother's fault, but you beat me instead of beating him. That's what he did for us. He took the stripes for us that we deserve. He's done so much for us. He loves us so much. We just gotta have the right perspective. We just gotta we just gotta keep the main thing the main thing. Stop looking at what's in front of us and looking at where we're trying to get to. What we're trying to get to is heaven, brother. 
We're not going to post up here and think it's going to be all right here. There's always some problems here. What else does he say, brother? All of us like sheep have gone astray. You know, sheep aren't the smartest animals. If one sheep run off a cliff, guess what? All the sheep are going to run off the cliff. We needed a savior. We needed somebody to look out for us. What else does he say? Each of us has turned to his own way. Mm -hmm. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Yes. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. You know, they led him to the slaughter. He was like a, sh a sheep shear led to the slaughter. He, he knew where he was going. If you and I know we're going to be going to be slaughtered, we'll be like, you got to drag us. We're not just going to go. But he was led to the slaughter. He didn't open his mouth. He loved us enough to do it for us. And here he is. Just ask us to hear his word and believe what he said. No, God doesn't ask too much. It's, it's not too much to give God your best. It's not too much to love God. It's not too much to give him your time and your energy. It's not too much for what he's done for us. But I looked at Isaiah 52 verse 14, brother. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe what I was reading. And Isaiah 52, 14, what does he say? Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man. They beat him so much, you couldn't, his appearance was, you couldn't recognize him. He was unrecognizable. Can you imagine that? Guess why he did that? For you. For you. For all of us. And he knew it. Uh -huh, I'm telling you, he doesn't, he doesn't ask too much. God is so good to us. We should appreciate it. So the 23rd Psalm, let's read it like this. Let's emphasize the my in the 23rd Psalm. Every time, brother, you read the word my, I want you to emphasize that word. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh-huh. Down in green pastures. Mm -hmm. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh -huh. He restores my soul. It's personal. See, I was thinking the Lord is somebody else's shepherd. No, he's my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside. It's mine. It's my shepherd. No, he doesn't ask too much. I'm telling you, it's, it's such a good thing to have the Lord on your side. What else, brother? He guides me in the paths of righteousness. Uh -huh. For his name's sake. Yes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Yes. For you are with me. Right. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Mm -hmm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. You have anointed my head mm -hmm. with oil. My cup mm -hmm. overflows. Surely. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me mm -hmm. all the days. Of my life. And I, I will dwell well, in the house of the Lord forever. You know what follows us? Goodness and mercy. When we go on our job, guess what's behind us? Look behind you. Goodness and mercy. When we're on our, when we're on in our schools and we're dealing with people, guess what? Goodness and mercy. One person was telling me what how he dealt with the people on the job. They remembered him and gave him another job because he didn't explode like most people. He didn't say the profane words like most people. Goodness and mercy follows us, brother. And that's what I'm saying. God does not ask too much. One more scripture I want to give you. Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. 
Revelation 21 and verse 3. He said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Doesn't that sound wonderful? We're dwelling with God. You know what uh, Adam and Eve had the privilege of doing is dwelling with God. They were with God in the cool of the day. Can you imagine just hanging out with God in the cool of the day? He goes on to say, And, I, and God shall wipe away all our tears, and there shall be no more death, and there shall be no more sorrow, and there shall be no more any more pain, and there shall be all the former things shall be passed away. You know the city we're going to? The city called No More. Don't you want to go to that city? The city called No More. No more pain. No more death. No, that's a beautiful city. We want to be a part of that city. No, God doesn't ask too much because what we're getting in return is greater than what we're getting. And the question is, does God ask too much? And I pondered that question one day. And that's what I came up with. And I hope if you ponder it, you'll come up with the same thing. So we're going to take a little break. And we'll ask you another question. Thank you.